This is the thanks I get for working overtime. Overtime! You think you know me. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson and Dawson Wise joining you on a Wednesday night. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join us on our Wednesday night edition of overtime. Uh, later in this hour, we'll talk about how the Vols have clapped back today. Um, <laughs> another big day in the uh, University of Tennessee NCA investigation <laughs> news cycle. Uh, we'll give our best bets at the end of the hour as well, but I want to start off talking about the Tennessee Vols dropping to South Carolina last night at home, and we have Jordan Moore, one of our correspondents here at Overtime, joining us. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. Let's get right into it. The uh, fifth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers were unable to overcome a halftime deficit falling to South Carolina 63-59 to at home last night. Uh, Fifth-year guard Dalton Connect scored a game-best 31 points. His fourth time reaching that mark in the last five outings for the fifth-ranked Vols. Um, but both teams shot under 37% from the field in the opening session with the Volunteers at 12 of 33, 36% shooting. That's not good. And the Gamecocks at 11 of 30 for 36% shooting. Uh, Tennessee, though, shot no free throws while South Carolina went four of six on its opening attempts, and that's in the first half. Uh, Fifth-year guard Santiago Vescovi, who moved into a tie for eighth place on the SEC's all-time made three-pointers list, scored 10 points and a notch notch of a pair of steals. Good performance from him, uh, what we've wanted from him. Um, But then on the other side, you had Talon Cooper for the Gamecocks with 18 points, went four or five from the three-point line. Graduate student forward uh, B.J. Mack had 16 points despite Tennessee holding him to a four of 15 clip, including one of eight from downtown. Uh, He did go seven of eight from the stripe. Uh, Tennessee limited South Carolina to 19 of 56 shooting for the game, but the Gamecocks went 15 of 18 at the line, and the Volunteers were just 12 of 20 at, at the line. And additionally, South Carolina had a 10 of 29 performance on threes compared to Tennessee's 5 of 21. Uh, guys, we'll get everyone involved here now. Uh, Jordan, we'll begin with you. Your thoughts on last night's loss to South Carolina? Well, my first thought um, is South Carolina, is a, is, they're a good basketball team. Um, they've been underrated throughout the season. They should have been ranked in the top 25. You know, they had some good wins against Mississippi State, who we did lose to in Starkville. They did beat a, a, a good Kentucky team. So I, I thought they were underrated coming into Thompson Bowling Arena. That 14-and-a-half line I thought was disrespectful to South Carolina. Um, they're a good defensive team. They kind of remind me of the Tennessee team from last year. They like to muddy the game up, slow yeah. the game down, um, no, uh, not let you get out on the fast break. 
So I thought it was going to be a tough matchup, but I did think that if Tennessee had you know showed up and had played the way they have been playing on the offensive end, that they could win this game by you know eight, ten, eleven points somewhere in that range. Um, what I did not expect though is Tennessee to have their worst shooting performance of the entire season. Yeah, um, it was their worst three point shooting performance, their worst free throw shooting performance, their worst field goal shooting performance of the entire season. Um, as you guys saw, I mean, we missed a lot of easy ones right at the rim. Um, we shot 47% at the rim. We were 9-19, which is our second-worst performance at the rim this season. Uh, we were terrible at the free throw line. You miss eight free throws on, in a game that you lose by four. Uh, that's crucial. And yeah. you, you have six missed free throws from two of your best free throw shooters and Dalton connected to Kai, which crushed you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just it was just a really bad shooting performance. I mean, I, I thought even though we didn't play – great i still thought we played well enough where we should have won that basketball game if we just make the easy shots that we had mm-hmm. um i said yesterday before the game you know south carolina would score the majority of their points on the season from three-point range yeah. tennessee on the season had held nine out of ten opponents at home to below their season average at the three-point line mm-hmm. that didn't happen yesterday south carolina shot right at their season average um you and i had talked about this today we gave South Carolina seven open, clean looks from uh, from the three-point line. Yeah. And on the season, we were only giving up about three a game. Um, so we allowed them to have too many open looks from three. We allowed them to shoot their average from three. And we just didn't do enough on the offensive end to create easy offense around the rim from the free throw line, which ultimately led to you end up losing that game by four. Yeah, I think you covered most of it. For me, it was brutal, uh, especially the last six or eight minutes of that game, just to kind of watch Dalton Connect be basically the only guy on the floor that seemed like wanted to win. Yeah. Uh, and then even he misses a, a crucial free throw on a late possession and ends up coming back to bite you. You get two possessions down, and from there you're just hoping for miracles. Uh, I I want to say it's unacceptable. I don't think it's quite to that. South Carolina is a really good team. Uh, I think they're underranked as well. Uh, I think they should have been a top 25 team after beating Kentucky. Um, but you can't lose this kind of game on home floor. It, the, the unacceptable part is the performance, uh, just missing layups, missing free throws. 60% the free throw line in your home building, I yeah. mean, that's it's never going to win you many games, especially when South Carolina goes out there and shoots, number one, more free throws than you, but number two, converts at a better rate. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it just was so frustrating. The last few minutes of this game were so frustrating because you were still in it. You played a really poor game, I thought, um, and you were still in the game mm-hmm. with three, four minutes to go. You pulled it to within four, then three, then two, and you're like, okay, well, maybe they figured something out. But, I mean, you should have been up by eight or ten or 11, like Jordan said. Uh, the role guys regressed for the most part. Vescovy played well. None of the other ones did. No. Um, Josiah Jordan-James, I don't know what's going on with him, mm-hmm. um, but man, his SEC play especially, his stats are not good. I mean, just call it like it is. Yeah. Um, they're bad. Uh, Jordan Ganey was cold uh, last night off the bench, ice cold. He's missed his first two or three shots. Uh, Zakai never got Zikai. really going. Um, just got guys that we wanted to see going didn't go, and that's the result. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Connect is scoring 31 of your 59 points, that's not good. <laughs> You're not yeah. going to win many games. And then on the defensive end, and Jordan already covered this too, you didn't cover the perimeter no. um, really at all. He gave South Carolina a ton of looks. You also let B.J. Matt go for 16. Yeah, he didn't shoot well, but he didn't have to. I mean, he had eight or seven points on free throws or whatever it was, eight points on free throws, um, and still gashed you for 16 points, which in a game that ends 63 to 59 mm-hmm. uh, is important. Um, so just on all ends, man, it's, it's a really bad effort from Tennessee last night. 
Yeah, yesterday our keys to the game were first off, you know, you're playing at home where you played really well. Make sure you set the tone at home. And uh, early on in that game, South Carolina came out and set the tone. One yeah. on a 7-0 run early. So our, one of our keys to the game already taken out. Uh, our second key to the game was defensive, uh, or defense around the perimeter. And, you know, uh, Talon uh, Cooper had a, a great night from the three, four of five. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I want to bring Jordan in here because he's got some really great advanced stats, and one of them he already gave. Uh, seven open look threes, and uh, that's the third most in a game this season. Uh, has given up nine two times and eight just once. Um, but, uh, again, it was something we talked about in the Georgia game and the UNC game and the Illinois game, giving open opportunities from the perimeter. And if you allow these college basketball players to take open threes, they're going to bite you at one point, and I think it did last night. So you didn't defend the perimeter well. And our last key of the game was, okay, let's get some of these other guys back involved. Um, Viscovi and Ganey both coming off really good performances in back-to-back games. And then you're back at home, back on your home floor. Uh, Zakai Ziegler plays awful. Uh, Jordan Ganey does nothing. Uh, Jonas Adu struggles. Um, yeah. Santiago Vescovi was able to get it going a little bit, but Josiah Jordan James was a non-factor as well. So all three keys of the game were completely whiffed on, and I think that's why late game, that's why you're treading water. And you thankfully have Dawn Connect on the team where he at least gives you a chance um, but you cannot continue to allow this poor perimeter uh, defense, and you cannot allow these players, these role guys, to continue to put up nothing burgers every night. Um, and it's it's not like – in times when, when Tennessee or any team loses games like these, everyone freaks out. And I'm not freaking out, but last night, a lot of things that we've kind of known about this team were all put on full display last night, all collectively. And it's a tough one to give up, especially – with how the SEC has been uh, unfolding as of late, with Auburn dropping two last week, uh, Kentucky losing last week to South Carolina, you have the opportunity to move up the rankings a little bit more, and and now you blow one at home, which is a should have been a give me win. Um, so let's let's talk more about this perimeter defense. South Carolina finished with ten three pointers uh, to the Vols five on a gross twenty four percent shooting. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Vols allowed seven open look threes. Credit to Jordan on, on that stat there. Uh, Jordan, we'll begin with you. Uh, how disappointing was this defensive performance last night? The it was extremely disappointing as far as you know, we weren't rotating very well, which was allowing them to have the open look threes. It seemed to me that we were getting bad rotations and we were tr- we were trying to get back to our guy too late, which was allowing them just too many open look threes. Um, you know, and the foul trouble well, with, with our bigs didn't help that situation either. Um, you know, we were having to play some small lineups there throughout the game, which was allowing South Carolina to, to get into the paint a little bit easier and dump the ball inside a little bit easier than, you know, I thought they would be able to. Um but, you know, all in all, you know, even with those open-look threes and even with South Carolina hitting their season average from the three-point line, we still only gave up 63 points. Yeah. And that should have been good enough to still win you the basketball game. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you know, we lost that game on the offensive end, not the defensive end. Um, sure, you don't want to give up the seven open-look threes. That's not a good look. Sure, you don't want to allow South Carolina to shoot their average from three, which is what they've been good at all year long. But at the end of the day, you didn't do enough or get enough production from other players on the offensive end to win you that basketball game. And yeah. to me, you know, the disappointing thing, too, you mentioned the outlook of the season. Basketball, college basketball, it's a long season. Yeah. And good teams 
which we are still a good basketball team, mm-hmm. they lose games like this from time to time. It mm-hmm. happens. Um, if you don't believe me, go back and look at your national champion from last year, UConn, and look what they did in January. Yeah, yeah. Now go back through the past couple of years and look at some other teams. You know, I brought up our Elite Eight team that everybody loves with Bruce Pearl. Well, go look at who they lost to at the end of January that season. They lost to a 14-17 Georgia team, mm-hmm. and they still went to the Elite Eight. So this isn't any kind of indictment on this team for the rest of the season, in my opinion. It was a bad night. It was a bad shooting night. And I, I think we're still a really, really good basketball team that has a chance to make some noise in March. Now, I will say the one thing it does do is that gives you the blueprint of how you get knocked out early in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That's the blueprint mm-hmm. of what we saw last night. When no, when nobody else shows up but connect and you don't play good perimeter defense, and I, I, I've been saying that for a few weeks, somebody else, and we have been getting that in spurts from an Adu one night or from a Zekai another night. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're, we're going to need more from a Josiah. We're going to need more from a Vescovy or even a Ganey to help Dalton. Dalton can't do it all. He was trying to do it all at the end of that game last night. Yeah. But somebody else, I mean, if you even get anything from a Josiah or anything from a Zakai, you still win that game last night. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was just a bad performance all around for everybody outside of Dalton. And I would even kind of put Dalton in that because he only shot two of seven from the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah, defensively, I mean, a complete disaster. Especially, it's the, the two words I wrote down were frustrating and deflating for defense. Because you have games like you had in the Florida game, like you had in the Alabama game, where you defend so well, especially on your home floor. And then you have games like this, especially at home, where you see it regress back to the mm-hmm. way it was in, in Athens, I think was probably the worst example of yes. this. Um, it's so frustrating, and we kind of talked about it um, last week or the other day um, when we said – the worst case scenario is you just don't have the awareness or the communication on the floor to be able to play perimeter, good perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. You know, catching your assignments, get, getting on the switch. Uh, I mean, that's the worst case scenario. So we're just not aware as a team of how to switch off, how to go play good defense, how to close out on guards and keep them from shooting wide open threes. Uh, it's so frustrating. Uh, and, and, you know, if it was consistently bad, okay, then that's one thing. Um, or if it were consistently good, but it's not. It's just up and down. It, de- it depends on the night. Yeah. And we found out pretty quickly last night that we were going to show up as a team that was not ready to play perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you need to figure that out. I mean, South Carolina is a good offensive team. We talked about the production of their guards, mm-hmm. uh, especially from deep last night before the game. But South Carolina is not the best shooting team you're going to see by no, far no. at all. Uh, you're going to go see a Kentucky team that can put up 90 to 95 points a night on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go out and put a performance like this as your last game performance before you go up to Rupp, not uh, not a good sign. Yeah, this was the 53rd adjusted offense, uh, and, and according to Ken Palm rankings in South Carolina, facing the number two adjusted defense in Tennessee. You would hope that Tennessee would be able to at least – uh, win the defensive battle, yeah, um, and they were unable to. And you know, you saw flashes in that Vanderbilt game, a lot of open shots. You saw flashes many times in that Georgia game, a mm-hmm. lot of open shots. Um, and, and last night it was a lot of the same. And I think it's a a communication problem where they're having a hard time switching off of guards or switching off of movement uh, offensively, and that's got to be something that is um, figured out by SEC play. You cannot be still worrying and not knowing where your personnel is around the perimeter this late into the season, and it's a correctable thing. Uh, but it, it's un- inexcusable for it to con- continue on because, as Jordan said, you know, this right here is a performance that people can flip on the tape come tournament time and say, okay, what did South Carolina do in this game to force Tennessee to look as bad as they have all year? 
and 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 that is on their home floor as well. Um, so the defense has got to be better. I've, another disappointing performance uh, defensively, in my opinion, and it still goes back to communication, knowing your personnel, and defending the perimeter. It's a, it's a very um, just you know very simple thing, in my opinion, that they've still yet to hammer down yet this season. Um, now let's talk about the the other players involved last night. Uh, Josiah Jordan James, Jonas Adu, Jordan Ganey, Zakai Ziegler combined for three of twenty. 3 of 20 shooting, and only added 8 points as a group, uh, will the Vols ever be able to get a consistent performance uh, from their role players? Uh, Jordan, we'll begin with you. That's that, To me, that's been the missing piece to, to take this team from you know a good, solid top 10 team to a legit top 4 national champion favorite is you're, you're still needing some production from some of your role players. You know, I've said you got five players outside of Dalton Connect that if you can get some production out of two or three of those, and it doesn't matter what combination it is, just on a nightly basis, two out of the three of the five players of Vescovy, Zakai, Jonas, Josiah, and even Meshack you can throw in there, if they can just give you something, then this takes this team to a whole nother level. But there has been too many nights so far this season to where you get either one of those, two of those, or zero of those. And to me, that's the problem with this team right now is you're just not getting – I understand Vescovy and Josiah have had their shot attempts cut in half because Dalton's on the team. I get that. I understand that. But they're getting open looks. Vescovy's getting open. Josiah, last night, first play of the game, open the corner three looks, brick. Like, that's, I knock guys for that. Like, if you miss a, context, a contested jump shot, that's one thing. If you're wide open – you, I mean, you got to knock a good percentage of those down. And right now, guys like Vescovy and Ganey and Josiah are not getting even the easy looks to be able to go in. Mm-hmm. And my biggest frustration has been with Josiah. Where has this guy went since SEC play started? He's completely disappeared. And like he's not even doing the same things that he was doing earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, he was attacking the rim. He was getting to the free throw line. Yeah. His free throw teams have been cut in half. Since SEC play began, yeah, like he's not even getting the easy buckets at this point, mm-hmm. and that's my frustration. You're a fifth-year COVID senior, 23-year-old grown man playing in college basketball, and you've completely disappeared. And that's my frustration right now is with him and with our role players. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Josiah has been obviously, I think, the the biggest issue of the role players, and just like like Jordan said disappeared it's so weird it's it's again really frustrating because he's a player that we've seen in the past be able to make big shots be able to put up numbers um and he just hasn't been able to ever recover from it even when Vescovy came back from it just not able to uh, it costs Tennessee the game plain and simple the role players cost Tennessee the game you don't get enough production connect has 31 the rest of the guys have 28 you lose by four points at home you get five more points you win that game mm-hmm. from one of those guys so it's crushing. It really is. Yeah, I think Jordan makes a great point. You know, early on in this season, um, you know, Josiah Jordan James' aggression was at an all-time high. He was attacking the basket, um, especially hovering around the free throw line. Was able to either take that free throw line jump shot or drive inside and take it. Um, and we've really uh, seen him go away from that as of late. And I think it's just aggression and his confidence has just completely gone away in, in, in conference play, as uh, Jordan alluded to. And um, I, I think that's a huge letdown, especially with 
how many years he's been playing at Tennessee and how experienced he is, uh, you've got to have a guy like that giving you production. Now, I will say Santiago Vescovi over the last three games averaging 10 a night, that's what you need from him. That, it, look, it, it doesn't have to be some 20-point performance, some 30-point performance like Connect. You just need the guys around him to play their bill, uh, to, to play their play style and play the way they need to need to play to be able to win some of these games. And you cannot have four guys combined for three of 20 shooting and add eight points in any game, especially – you know, four guys that are in your your top seven, top eight rotation. Um, so I, I think it was a, a very disappointing performance from them as well. And Tennessee will not be able to get to where they want to be if they cannot get consistent production from these guys going forward. And I, I think for Ganey, uh, it's, a, it's a matter of just coming off the bench and being ready to be that spark plug. For Adu, I thought last night was a little bit of an anomaly for him uh, with how how he's been playing uh, recently. He's been playing well, um, especially on that block. Uh, Ziegler, his worst performance in a while as well. But a lot of the same for Josiah Jordan-James. So um, he's a guy that's still got to get it going, and I think Tennessee will be handicapped if those guys continue to be no-shows or don't give a lot of production. Um, but Dalton Connect, on the other hand, who eclipsed 30 points for the fifth time this season and third straight time at home, finished 11 of 24 from the field. Not his best performance, but down the stretch of the game, he hit a couple big shots to keep us in it. Um, became the first SEC player in exactly 14 years to record 30-plus four times in a five-game span. Are the Vols too reliant on Dawn Connect? Jordan, we'll begin with you. I would say no. Um what I, what I saw last night watching the game is in the first half we tried to run a lot of our actions and we tried to run our offense and not put all of the onus on Dalton Connect. Yeah. But because nobody else was stepping up to get to the free throw line, nobody else was knocking down shots, when it became crunch time in the second half, then we started going more to the pick and roll and letting Dalton have the ball and try to create offense because nobody else stepped up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think we're too reliant on him. Um, I just think that, you know, as the last summer we just talked about, you just need more production from your other guys. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he to me his usage has been pretty good. He's been extremely efficient. And last night he wasn't very very efficient, but he's no. been extremely efficient. I don't think we're relying on him too much. I just think you you need somebody else to, to be the Robin to his Batman right now. And we're not getting that from anybody, especially last night. Yeah, I, I completely agree. When we got down to crunch time, it was like every time they were forcing the ball to him. Like he could have two guys on him, and they were just forcing the ball to him because we knew no one else was producing any consistent offense. You need to have a guy like Jordan Ganey that can hit a bucket in crunch time. They can get you a bucket and say, you know, okay, you know, DK, you scored the last six points. I got this one. Nobody was doing that, and it mm-hmm. got really frustrating. And, uh, you know, you, you know and love the, the player that Dalton Connect is, but on some of these possessions, I mean, he's having to throw up, like, desperation threes now i will give him credit one of them went in he was like falling forward and got a three to go that actually kept us within a score um, and he can make plays like that but we shouldn't be expecting him to we shouldn't need him to it's it's not that we're too reliant on him i think it's almost that we're forced to be a little too reliant on him in crunch time because none of the other guys are able to get you know get, get in there and, and make a bucket they, they shrink in crunch time and some of these guys they shouldn't be at this point playing college basketball for four or five years. They should not be shrinking away from these moments. They should be able to make a big bucket and to just are having to pass it to connect because he's he's the only one. And, and this is going to bite him later in the year. Yeah, it really will. This will bite him in the tournament. This will bite him in SEC play. Heck, it could bite him on Saturday at Rupp. Yeah, if you have to rely too much on connect, you know they're going to be double, triple teaming him late. Yeah, uh, look, I don't think. Well, that, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jordan. Uh, 
I was just going to add one thing that losing that game last night also hurt is there was another game, another upset last night in college basketball. Uh, Georgia Tech beat North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, most of the bracketology things you looked at had North Carolina as the last number one seed yeah. and us as the first number two seed. Yep. So North Carolina loses. If you find a way to win that game, you likely bump up to a projected number one seed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that loss last night even hurt you in the aspect of you potentially lost your number one seed by losing that game last night. So it was just all around, it was just a bad night for, for Tennessee basketball. Yeah, I, and going back to Connect real quick, I don't think the Vols are too reliant on him, but in the biggest moments, I feel like they are. And last night, it, everyone in the gym knew where the ball was going. Uh, everyone in the gym knew where the ball was going. And I, I think that's it, it's bad. I mean, look, Connect's great. We love seeing him perform at a high level. But if the whole, if everyone in the gym knows where the ball's going, because the other guys around him don't have the confidence to take that shot, that's that's not something that's going to be successful as you go through a tournament or or throughout this season. No. And you can rely on him in the bigger moments, but you can't be so reliant on him where if he don't have the ball in his hands, and then there's no source of offense or no way to get a bucket. And last night, I'd love to see confidence from other guys. You know ready to shoot you know he's getting double teamed someone's open someone's got to be ready to shoot the ball and it kind of just everyone everyone's kind of standing around waiting for him yep. to make a play and, and that can't happen that's what happens in high school basketball not the college level these guys are college athletes college players they're playing for Tennessee for a reason you've got to be ready to make that shot or make that play in crunch time and can't watch another player just sit around and do it himself yeah so they're not too reliant on him as a team, but I think in certain moments they just kind of sit back and pull up a chair and, and, and relax and watch Connect do his thing, which at times is is special and it's fun to watch. That's not successful for a team going into a tournament. Um, up next, the Volunteers is a are head to a top ten clash with Kentucky on Saturday in Rupp Arena. Um, are the Vols on pace to drop two in a row with this one? Jordan, we'll begin with you. I still have confidence in Tennessee. Um, I still have confidence they can go to Lexington to win this game. Um, yeah, Kentucky has a high-powered offense, but they also have a really, really bad defense. Um, their defense has not been very good, especially over the past month. It's uh, like I want to say it's over 105 or 110 in the country and adjusted defensive efficiency since before Christmas. Um, so there's going to be an opportunity there for our, our offense to have a bounce-back game. Uh, the big stage for Dalton Connect, big, big stage. You go up there, you put up 30, or you put up 40 points, and you knock Kentucky off in their arena. I mean, that, that really is the profile for you, and the Wooden Award, all that stuff is going to go through the roof. I still have confidence. Rick has had Calipari's number since he's been at Tennessee. I still have confidence in this team. So I still think that we have the ability to go up to Lexington and get the W. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they can go up there and win. Now, I'm not nearly as confident as I was before last night's game. I thought if you had played last night like you did against Alabama, then I would be way more confident. Uh, the role players were all going. If everybody was all on the same page, you're playing good defense. I'm not as confident anymore, uh, but you can still go up there. Now, the environment in Rupp on Saturday is, is going to be beyond hostile. Um, Geraldo actually likes to call it uh, borderline dangerous. Uh, that's what it's gonna. I mean, that's what you're gonna be walking into. They know what this game is. They know what the rivalry is, uh, and they know the stage that this is for Dalton Connect. They're gonna make life hard on you all game long. No matter what the score is, they're gonna make it hard on you. Um, so you got to overcome that. Now you got to overcome role players that did not play well in your last action, and a bad defensive performance. Uh, not nearly as confident. You're gonna have to have big efforts from 
more than just Dalton Connect. I think you're going to need a big effort out of him. I um, mean, you obviously love to see that on the stage, but you're going to need more than just him if you want to go win this game. Can they? Yeah. Will they? I'm not too sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough matchup. No, no way around it. You're going on the road against a very talented Kentucky team. Rupp Arena will be uh, loud and very impactful in that game as well. Um, but look, Tennessee's already played a similar game this year uh, in Chapel Hill, and, and Dawn Connect had a really good performance in that one where you struggled defensively and uh, didn't get as big of a production from your from your supporting cast. So I, I think if the Vols want to win this weekend, and we'll talk more about it on Friday, um, but you know they've got to get production from the, the, the supporting cast, and you've got to be better defensively. Kentucky is fourth in the country in three-point percentage. You've got to be better against a team that can shoot the lights out, especially at home. It's a tough matchup, but I think the Vols very well could stay in this one. And, you know, I think that it's it's not ridiculous to say they could win it either. Um, so we'll just have to see um, on, on Saturday, and we'll talk more about it on Friday um, with Jordan um, here in studio. Uh, Jordan, we've got to hit a quick break. Anything else you want to add about last night's game? Oh, no, that was it. We pretty much hit everything. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you here on Friday, and we'll be right back talking about how the Vols clap back. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just gotta start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get a white claw vodka soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all new white claw vodka soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and two grams of sugar. White claw vodka soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit Rogers Hydrant service.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. 
They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Back here on Overtime on a Wednesday night. Great conversation with Jordan Moore about last night's game. We appreciate his time. Uh, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and join our Wednesday night edition of Overtime as well. Uh, Look, let's talk about the Vols clapback today. Yesterday was a huge day of news for Tennessee-related activities, we'll say. Um, Yesterday, it was reported the University of Tennessee is immersed in another NCAA investigation of potential rules violations that is, quote, major in nature, or nature, I should say, uh, sources told Sports Illustrated. Uh, The case was told to involve multiple multiple sports and include scrutiny of name, image, and likeness benefits of athletes, um, I think the multiple sports report was wrong. However, I think we're more yeah. centric on um, Spire Sports and their involvement in Nico Imaliava's commitment to Tennessee. Um, and today, the state of Tennessee and Virginia filed an antitrust case against the NCAA concerning NIL-related matters as a part of the complaint. Uh, permanent injunction barring the NCAA enforcing its NIL recruiting ban was one of the quotes um, also, the NCAA came out with a statement earlier today uh, as well. Dawson, you want to give a brief summary of that? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the briefest summary is that it's a, a word salad, pretty much. They don't say a ton uh, of substance. Uh, it's rare to even get them to comment on these kinds of things. Um, they do decide, too, today. The basic thing they said is that they have been all they've always been committed to upholding the rules around NIL and trying to put guardrails on it, which we know isn't really mm-hmm. true. Uh, they also say they're still committed to student-athletes and basically – um, for for what I read of it, it sounds like any consequences that now come from the court case uh, that is now pending um, are the fault of the schools, institutions, and states that get involved in it. Yeah. Uh, they shed all responsibility and basically say, well, we're committed to making rules and upholding the rules so that it's not the Wild West. They actually use the Wild West term mm-hmm. in there, too, which is interesting. Yeah, I want to give a, a brief kind of summary of how yesterday happened Uh, In my opinion, the NCAA is kind of backtracking here because it appears these NIL violations from 2022 are just now crossing the NCAA's desk. Um, On January 15th, we saw Florida State uh, was penalized for a booster collective's involvement with a transfer portal target in April of 2022. Four days later, an investigation into Florida's recruitment of Jaden Rashada was launched. Now it's Tennessee and its NIL collective Inspire Sports involvement with with Nico. Um, and these events occurred, uh, I guess, w- when these violations, quote unquote, occurred, were in the very early days of NIL collectives, back when few people uh, outside the industry really even knew what an NIL collective was. And now you look across the country and everyone's got a big NIL collective. Yeah. It's, it's very commonplace. Yeah. And when I was thinking about it last night, what the NCAA is basically doing it is like your teacher telling you you did your homework wrong, but two years after the fact. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's like it. it's like, hey, you know, you were in my um, you're in my freshman math 123 class. You did your homework wrong back in January of 2022. Like, what? Wh- why are we just now getting to this? And why are we just now having an issue with this when the rules and regulations were not put in place at the time that really had anything against this? And and in those contracts that were signed, Aspire Sports put out last night, um, there was no. Uh, luring of uh, uh, to, luring Nico to Tennessee in the contract. It very simply stated that they had nothing to do with where he went. He's, there's more of the, I guess, the funding for it. Um, let's bring Patrick in here real quick. We got Patrick on the line. Uh, Patrick, a very busy day, busy couple days in, in Tennessee football news and NCAA football news as well. Uh, what What is your take on all this? Well... <clears throat> I had when when the the story broke yesterday, or at least when I saw it, you know, I I commented on social media. I hope you know Tennessee lawyers up and file suit against the NCAA. And lo and behold, and see the thing is, you don't draft that complaint in a half a day. Mm-hmm. That has been a work in progress. For several weeks, you've got the attorneys general for Tennessee and Virginia um, joining this lawsuit with uh, other private attorneys. So the number of revisions that I'm sure that this went through. Now, it's a straight-out antitrust case. There's, yeah, I mean, that that is the primary allegation that, that the – NCAA's rules or regulations or guardrails regarding NIL to any extent are in violation of the Sherman Act, the Antitrust Act. And what is really interesting is they cite to the findings or holdings of the Supreme Court and I guess it was the if I'm if I'm not mis- the Austin decision yeah. is, is that the right Yes, um, yep. they are quoting directly from the Supreme Court's holding in that case, which you know, if nothing else, by relying on those allegations from that complaint, what they want to do is beat back a motion to dismiss that the NCAA will undoubtedly undoubtedly file. Now, from a legal perspective, how this will go is. The, the NCAA will agree to waive service of process. They'll get an addition, additional time to respond to the complaint via an answer or a motion. And in this case, I'm sure that they will file a motion to dismiss that will just kick the can further down the street. Yeah, um, You guys are well aware the NCAA doesn't do well in court. No. And they, they won't do well here, well here either, even just if, if the facts are anywhere remotely close to what the what UT is reporting about mm-hmm. when and what occurred and all these things. But mm-hmm. um, I, I want to I want to believe that this will be a death blow for the NCAA because at least in 
major D1 high, you know, your football and your men's basketball, the money has outgrown the NCAA. Yeah. Now, everything else you can leave. And you may want to pull baseball up as well because of the NIL deals that are being negotiated. But I just, you know, this is, this and all of this could have been avoided. I mean, you still have coaches complaining about NIL and the freedom of movement. Well, I say, well, what about the freedom of movement for coaches? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were free to move as long as someone paid their buyout. They didn't have, you know, they, they had term contracts, multi-year contracts, but they were, by virtue of buyouts, um, basically could be year to year. Yeah. Now, I think they should do that with NIL, but, you know, I, I'm, I love Tennessee's response, and especially, you know, the, after they literally prostrated themselves in front of the NCAA with Jeremy Pruitt, mm-hmm. still got major penalties, losses of scholarships, that have that they've been absorbing the last several years. Yeah. But to make an about face and I and I'm telling you, I mean, this was a in no uncertain terms, the release to the media immediately of Donde Plowman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I want to touch on too. Um, because I think the timing of that came out so quickly and I think one of the most key things she said in that was, look, in the past when we have been wrong, we have admitted that we are wrong and we've cooperated very well. And right. if she's willing to come out very quickly yesterday, make a statement that everyone is going to see, you have to think Tennessee is in the right here because what sense does it make to make a, a big statement like that and be in the wrong? Um, I, I think it was a really good telling response for Tennessee and where this thing may be moving uh, because Donnie Plowman and Danny White and, and Tennessee and, and, and as a collective feel very strongly that this report was um, just not not correct and, and, and ridiculous. And and I, I would I would venture to say that the president of the NCAA and and his henchmen <laughs> choked when they when they saw Dondi Plowman's response, all I'm talking, spitting out their coffee, their water, their whatever, <laughs> and stood up and were like, "What just happened? Yeah. This does not happen." No, and that, that's why I thought it was so unique because you see that, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh!" Applaud Donnie Plowman or Donnie Plowman for clapping back at him. But I was like, "Okay, if they're if she's willing to make this public." and clap back against the NCAA, the big bad NCAA, then there has to be something that they know that they did not commit these the, these things that are, are being reported. And even Spire clapped back and said they, they put it in the contract, that there was no luring or any, uh, I, I guess, what, what's, the, what's the phrasing for it? The, inducement. Yes. Over, inducement to committing or something inducement. like that. Inducement. And yeah. they came out too and said there was no inducement in the contract. So – the way I saw it, and we talked about it yesterday, 
I, I think that Tennessee has a good feeling about this and that they were willing to come out and make it public and make it a big deal because they know they're in the right corner here. Dawson, yeah, you want to add anything? The court filing, I think, also does that. Yeah. And again, this reads like something they've had written down for a long time, the more I read it. Uh, the, the best analogy I think they used in the complaint uh, says that the current rules and the way the NCAA is going about investigating this now, uh, it's like a coach looking for a new job and freely talking to many different schools being unable to negotiate salary until after he's picked one. The depressive effect on coaches' right. wages in such a dysfunctional market is obvious. That's in the court filing. I mean, yeah, that's a, yeah. It's, it. Reads to me like this has been a complaint. I think for a long time, mm-hmm. and that perhaps this has been going on for a while as well. Um, but now, you know, it forced the hand. I think a little bit, and it's it's a great court filing too. It's it's got a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff in it. I think they're on good footing. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll add one more comment. You know, when you you saw Donnie Plowman's statement. And if you read the entirety, it mentioned that nothing short of initiating proceedings against the NCAA. Well, you read that and you say, "All right, right, I'll believe that. I'll believe that a university is going to go go pick a fight mm-hmm. with the NCAA." Yep. And by goodness, they dropped the hammer today, and. Because it, it was filed this morning. Yes. Yeah. And I'm telling you that that is that is a th- there were jaws dropped throughout the NCAA offices, and they're they're now they're going to be like roaches. They're scurrying and running for the you know hiding from the light. <laughs> so. And I, I won't take the time. Last night's basketball performance was ethically bad, <laughs> and I think they'll recover and bounce back. But I don't want to blow that out of proportion. But uh, you guys have a great night. Thank you so much for the call, Patrick. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Real quick, uh, Dawson. So, what do you think the NCAA is going to get bullied out of this one? Uh, it seems like it. Uh, you know, it. Well, I don't know. Uh, it, to me, it seems like they should maybe back off of this um, before it becomes too large scale. Um, it's, but it seems like they're doubling down on it. The statement they made earlier, like almost right before we came on the air, uh, tells me that they're going to double down and mm-hmm. they're going to fight Tennessee on this. Which they don't have a great record in court. You heard Patrick say that. It's very true. The Austin case was nine nothing. Um, yeah. And we talked yesterday. If you can get the Supreme Court to go nine nothing, uh, you're doing something wrong. Um, now, uh, it is notable today from Matt Hayes at Saturday Down South. He said a Power Five athletic director tells them that the number of programs being investigated is actually up to double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps this is even bigger than Tennessee, and I think that's worse for the NCAA. Yeah. Um, if more programs get involved, they're going to double down on that. They should back off. I don't think they will. Yeah, I think when you look at a couple of these other teams involved as well, now they might not have the same scenario Tennessee does. I think Florida's handling of Jane Rajada was a little fishy. A little bit. Um, I don't know much about the Florida State situation, but I think if more and more teams get roped into this by the NCAA, then I think a lot of them are going to clap back and have the same response of, okay, well, how are you trying to tell us that we did something wrong when at the time you made this possible – you didn't put any rules or regulations in place, and now you want to go back and say, okay, now we're trying to put them in place, um, and what you did two years ago when it wasn't uh, is, is now a problem. And I think it's a it, – they're backtracking. It's poor timing. 
Uh, and I, I think that the NCA is has gotten himself in some trouble with that report getting leaked out uh, on on Monday. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see where this thing goes. Uh, I guess I should have said Tuesday, yesterday, uh, getting out on Tuesday. But it'll be very interesting to see where this thing goes. And when you come back, we'll give our best bets of the night. Stay right here on Overtime. Are you tired of spending hours on laundry and ironing? Let Crown Cleaners handle your dry cleaning so you can handle your business. Our expert team can take care of your clothes, removing stains and wrinkles like they were never there. Whether it's your best suit or everyday attire, we handle it all at Crown Cleaners. Say goodbye to laundry stress and hello to extra free time. Crown Cleaners, Big Orange Country's Imperial Dry Cleaning Service since the 1960s. Online at crowncleaners.com. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Hello, Fan Run listeners. We want to thank all of you for your support of the new Fan Run Morning Show. In our first few weeks on the air, we've welcomed Hall of Fame coach Rick Barnes, Vol legend Josh Dobbs, Tennessee assistant coach Greg Polinski, and other great writers and experts to our show. And we're just getting started. So if you're missing the morning show, you're truly missing out. Join us Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. on 1340 a.m., 105.7 FM, and on the Fan Run Radio app. Wake up with the Fan Run Radio Morning Show. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Back here on Overtime, it's time for our best bets of the night. And I'll begin with my first one. It's Purdue, minus 13, uh, taking on Northwestern, a team that upset them earlier on in the year. Uh, Northwestern, however, ranks 14th. That's last in the Big Ten in offensive rebounding and 13th in defensive rebounding. Um, bottom of the totem pole in both of those stats. Um, prior meeting, Northwestern went to, uh, 10 of 20 from three at home. However, on the road, Northwestern shoots 36% from three. Purdue at home, big favorite here. I like them. I think they're the, the, the superior team here, especially when they're playing at their own house. Last year, they lost to Northwestern on the road. Um, they came back to Purdue and beat them by 20. Similar spots, and I like Purdue minus 13. 
Well, uh, we looked right in coming out of the break, and so my first bet's not going to look as good because of the score, but I took Alabama, minus 6.5 on the road at uh, Stegeman Coliseum against Georgia. Not a good start for the tie, down, what would you say, 17-2? to two? Uh, 17 to two. Yes. Oh boy. Well, okay. Maybe don't take that one, but that was my first one. Um, it's a tough place to win Stegeman. I mean, it's been Tennessee's kryptonite for a while on the road. Um, just almost impossible for us to win there until this year. Uh, but Alabama, one of the best offensive teams in the country. They're coming off a big win against LSU and an upset win, uh, at Auburn, I believe, or maybe it was home against Auburn, whatever it was. Uh, you beat a top 10 team. You beat LSU. It was a good spot for Nate Oates' team. Uh, getting into the rankings for the first time as well, uh, but not a good start for him. But I did, I did like Alabama minus six and a half. Yeah. Uh, next up for me, Kentucky minus six. The Wildcats are eighth in effective field goal percentage this season, nineteenth in average offensive possession length, and they shot twenty five percent from three in their first matchup in Gainesville. Um, now. Uh, look, they, this season, I should say, they're fourth in the nation in three-point percentage, playing at home tonight. Um, I like Kentucky to bounce back. They really played a poor game against Florida, and we're still able to narrow that one out on the road. I like them here at home tonight, minus six. Uh, next one for me is going to be Baylor, minus three and a half on the road at UCF tonight. Um, big bounce back spot for Baylor. It's a weird stretch of conference games. Two overtime games, one, I believe, triple overtime game in conference play. Uh, they on the losing end of two of those could have very easily won both those games, uh, but nonetheless they're, they've lost three straight. They need to get their get back. They're a very good team, very talented team. We fully expect them to be a three seed, I believe, in the NCAA tournament. Um, this is a great bounce back spot for them. It's a UCF team that beat Kansas on home court, but other than that, has not done a ton of special things this year. Um, so Baylor, especially at that three and a half number, um, I liked that on the road for them to get a, a little bit of a bounce back spot here. Uh, next up for me, UConn minus thirteen, a letdown spot for Providence. Uh, UConn with Donovan Quinnigan back in the lineup has been national championship level good once again. Um, I think it's just too quick of a turnaround turnaround for Providence uh, facing a UConn team that's hitting on all cylinders right yeah. now. Coming off a 40-point win at home on Saturday against Xavier, uh, give me UConn minus 13. Last one for me. I'm going back to the homer picks into the NBA. The Suns minus 3.5 on the road in Brooklyn. Ben Simmons is questionable tonight for He's Brooklyn. He's out now. Is yep. he out yes. now? Well, then I like it even more. Uh, now I will say Grayson Allen listed as questionable for the Suns. No word yet on whether he's going to go tonight or not. But you know, he wasn't a huge contributor in that game. I believe he left the game early uh, against Miami. But you didn't ultimately need him. He got 20 from about four or five different guys. Uh, the big three have found their way, I think. They've found something that works where they can all three get along and, and all have a little bit of equal production. Um, and that's a team that, besides two losses on Devin Booker huge nights, uh, has won, I believe, seven of the last ten, mm-hmm. eight of the last ten, something like that. Uh, firing on all cylinders, climbing the West. Tonight a good opportunity to do so against a Ben Simmons-less uh, Brooklyn Nets team. My final bet of the night, New Mexico minus 11 over their last five games. They've won all five of them. Um, also, all of them by double digits, an average win margin of 20.8. Um, they're 11-1 and one against the spread at home this season. They've been uh, kind of my wagon. I, I love watching yeah. uh, Mountain West basketball as of late. Um, great Colorado State game last night. Mm-hmm. Colorado State got a win at home against San Diego State. This conference is deep. It is. And I, I think they very well could have um, six teams competing in the tournament this year. They're that deep, and they're that good. Absolutely. Uh, New Mexico minus 11 is my final best bet of the night. And when we come back in the next hour, the Seahawks hire Mac McDon- or Mike McDonald and Embiid injured. What that means for the Sixers coming up. 